0: Well, let's just get started real quick and then we can roll through memories because I'm excited to hear what you remember versus what I do. Sure. Sure. Welcome to another edition of the SEM podcast. I'm Zach Hewlett with my co host, Jack Bryce. And today we are joined by Sister Kate Reed. Kate, where are you joining us from tonight?
1: St. George, Utah, down in the high desert.
0: How's St. George treating you these days?
1: Wonderfully. I've been here, well, off and on for nine years. I okay. house sat for a companion that I served with in Poland. She was on another mission to uh, Australia. So I uh, no. house sat for her, fell in love with St. George. So after I served another mission in Louisiana, which must my third and last my sister and I bought a house here in St George,
0: oh that's wonderful yeah well you you checked the boxes for us up front. Tell us about your anticipation of serving a mission and when you learned uh, how you learned that you were going to serve in Scotland because I'm sure it's a little bit different than us young men and women.
1: well, I think it's probably pretty interesting for me because you know I had lived in Germany as a As a young person, i lived there twice because my dad was in the service. Mm -hmm. And um, I got a mission call to Germany, and I was quite excited. In fact, it was Germany, Munich, Austria, which was an area I had lived in twice. And uh, two weeks before I was supposed to report to the MTC, with all my bags packed and everything ready to go, the stake president called me and said, how strong is your testimony, Sister Reed? I thinking he wanted me to talk in the upcoming state conference. And knowing I was ready to walk out the door to catch a plane, I wasn't worried. And I said, oh, my testimony's great. And he said, well, I just had a call from the mission department. And they've changed your mission call from Germany to Scotland. And I was half disappointed and half excited because who doesn't want to go to Scotland yeah so that's that's how i got that call and i was very excited about it i like president greens was under the misconception that i didn't need to learn a new language to serve in scotland <laughs> and for the first two and a half months i maybe understood every third word but i had mm-hmm. a great companion in sister jones and okay. she helped me a lot because she had been out for nine months already.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. So you still left in the that two weeks time frame? No,
1: actually, uh, the second call was put off a little bit. So I went ahead and went to Utah because I'd given up my apartment. And I went to Utah and stayed with friends and uh, had a, a month's vacation while I got ready to go.
0: Oh my gosh. A month's vacation. That's amazing. Well, um, catch us up since you've been home. I know you said you've served a few more missions and I I, I can't believe how busy you've been. So tell us about after Scotland and then we'll go back to the mission together.
1: I came home for 15 months and then I went to Poland. And if you think Scotland's a surprise calling, Poland just knocked me right off my chair. I first thought it was Portland. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Scottish is not nearly as difficult a language to learn as Polish. And with seniors, you don't get any time in the MTC. You get a week and then you're dropped in country and you yeah. learn as you go. And I loved that mission. And then uh, I came home. and I was home for five years taking care of some medical issues and other things. And then I went to serve in Louisiana, which was as foreign as I could be without a passport.
0: Yeah. Was that before or after Katrina?
1: It was after. It was about 10 years after, but they speak of, of, uh, pre Katrina and post Katrina. It's almost like, uh, B.C. and A.D. to them. I mean, it's made a huge difference to them.
0: Wow, that's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, really enjoyed that mission as well. Wound up serving, uh, I was working for the regional self-reliance manager, and he opened self-reliance in 12 stakes while I was there. Wow. It was a big challenge and a lot of fun.
0: So your primary objective was to teach self-reliance to people while you were there, or was it on top of other things?
1: My primary objective was to assist him in opening the areas. So we we turned his office, our office, into a small printing factory because materials were hard to come by. We uh, set up... I don't know if you're familiar with self-reliance, but they usually have a stake or multi-stake fireside to explain self-reliance and introduce the different classes to people. And then they choose, and you get things set up for them. Then you have the responsibility of going around to various stakes and just sitting in on their classes and making sure things are being done the way the First Presidency set them up was a lot of fun.
2: That's
0: great. Those are those are great courses.
1: Yes, they are.
0: Very much needed in our world today.
1: I've tried to keep in touch with some of of the people that I've known in the missions. Uh, I've been really saddened to see the amount of inactivity that's yeah. taken over both among the members and the missionaries. And as far as the senior sisters are concerned, uh those I've served with, uh, Sister Jones, that I think most of you have known, uh, is in a memory care facility in Burley, Idaho, and mm-hmm. Sister Meese has passed away from ALS. Uh, Sister Miller is still in the Salt Lake area doing fine. Those are the ones I know for sure about
0: good well you you hopped into the mission perfectly tell us about the areas that you served in
1: my first area was Beath, just south of paisley and i think that's when i got to know you was when i was serving in Beath. i served there twice actually and um uh, it's a very small village that's a kind of a bedroom community for paisley and uh it was such a culture shock in some ways. You know, you had a a green grocer and a butcher. The butcher had been in the same place in 1753. The same family in the same location.
0: Oh Small gosh.
1: enough town that everybody knew us. And I called the library one day to see if there were computers available. And the set. the lady said, "Oh, are you one of our you're one of our missionary ladies, aren't you?" Just by the sound of my voice. So. Um, <laughs> It was a lovely place to serve. I enjoyed it. It was a small branch, and uh, we had a nice little chapel there. But in the beginning, we used to go to Kilmarnock for district meetings, Mm -hmm. and we'd ride one of those little short buses that went down the one-lane road where you'd have to stop in the middle and flash the bus lights because there might be a car coming the other direction. And Yeah. uh, That was always interesting to do because we usually had to start really early in the morning in the dark and go to Kilmarnock for district meeting and then go back. And our zone meetings were in Irvine. And then we switched when I was back in Beach the second time. We were meeting in Johnston, and that's when I knew you. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's right. Just I I skipped over this part, but remind me the time frame that you served in Scotland. Do you two thousand
1: four to two thousand six?
0: And do you know what you, uh, month you got there and left?
1: Mm, I know that I left in I think May. Okay. It was either the end of April, or the beginning of May, and uh, I remember that. Elder Nelson was coming with his new wife, and I was really disappointed I wasn't going to get to see him. And President Vrain says, well, you could extend. But I didn't do that. If he'd have asked me two, three months before that, I would have said absolutely yes, because I couldn't stand the thought of leaving. But when you get right down to the wire, you're so tired that you're ready to go.
0: Yeah. So you went home when when then? Because that was, I want to remember, I'm recalling it, I want to say it was like March or April of 2006 that we had that trip down to Preston.
1: Yeah, that's when I went home, was was April, was April, just before you made the trip. Okay. And I got there in the fall. Okay. October, I think it was.
3: That's what I got
1: to. uh, And I didn't get to climb Pratt's Hill when I first got there. I hadn't slept in 36 hours, so I was in pretty bad shape. and So they put me to bed and introduced me to my companion, Sister Joes, the next morning, and then they sent us off to Beath with a couple of APs. And um, then when Sister Sigmiller came and she was the third sister i trained she wanted to climb and i got to climb with her oh nice yeah and that was lovely and then of course i got to go up the night before i left scotland i went up i think there were nine of us and uh it only took two ap's to get me to the top <laughs> they'd forgotten a flashlight and we were trying to
3: Oh, trying to go oh
1: by telephone, uh, <laughs> by the screen light. And, oh, uh, wow. and you know, that's a little yeah. bit rough up at the top. And I'm, you know, I'm not a young chick. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, it was kind of fun. But I served in, in Beath and then I went to Airdrie for seven and a half months. And then I went back to Beath and then I went to Inverness. Those were the three areas I served in. And I loved them all for very different reasons. I mean, Inverness is so gorgeous. The only thing that was wrong with Inverness was I lost my accent, my Scottish accent, because people up there don't have much of an accent. If they have anything, it's the Queen's English, you know, because they have a lot of retired English people up there and they have uh, a lot of tourism. But um, the only place with an only person with an accent that I could really, really get into was a woman who was a transplant from Paisley. Is
3: that right?
1: (laughs) Because Ayrshire has a much heavier accent than some of the other areas. But we spent a lot of time in Edinburgh because we would go in with. uh, President Rains would call us in for different things. Yeah. Seniors conference, sisters conference, whatever. We did have one really interesting incident while I was at the mission home. We had uh, a robbery. A man Mm. broke in one night when uh, all four of the senior sisters were staying overnight in the mission home after a seniors conference. And... He had been in every single room in the mission home, including the vault. But he made the mistake of going into the president's room about the time the president got up, probably to go to the bathroom. And I heard him yell, what are you doing in here? And then this thundering down the stairs and yelling. And and it was really interesting. Uh, President and Sister Reins trapped him in the kitchen one on each side of that big island. Oh, wow. And, of course, he chose Sister Raines, thinking that would be the easy way to get out. But he bloody nose, he bloody her nose to get out. And oh, he got wow. past her, but then she got up and was chasing him down the driveway in her pink pajamas. But
3: Oh, my word. We
1: all said, what would you do if you had caught him, Sister Raines? She said, I would have said, you naughty boy, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> anyway, it was interesting.
0: That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Sister yeah. Reigns had the strength of a few men. You know, uh-huh. I, yeah. I was I would I'm I'm amazed. Obviously, person who doesn't know her would challenge yeah. her, but for someone like myself, never would I challenge Sister Rains.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> not only strong, she's determined as well. But yeah. you know, uh the uh, the police came and they said we were all very, very blessed because he said all of these housebreakers in this area are heroin addicts and they mm-hmm. would kill you at the drop of a hat. But this man obviously was being very careful not to hurt anybody because he could have hurt President Reigns. He could have hurt her. He went into the elders room. And all he took from them was uh, a badge and a white book, but not a, well, not a bit of money did he take from any of them. He stole mm-hmm. from everybody else but them. And miraculously, none of them woke up, or wow. they would have put up a fight, and somebody would have been hurt. So, you yeah. know, the Lord is in the details.
0: Absolutely. Wow, what a memory. Because yeah, that was... That was not well, I can't remember <laughs>
1: what I had for breakfast this morning, but I can remember ten <laughs> years ago quite easily.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah,
0: that's amazing. Well, are there any of the missionaries that you grew fond of um, while you were in the missionary while you're in the mission and enjoyed seeing them progress in their missionary efforts that you can recall? Other than you. Besides me, yes. I, yes, I was I was a basket case, and I needed some serious help.
1: Well, no, you weren't a basket case. You just had some challenges, and they were challenged they would have been challenges for anybody.
0: Yes, one hundred percent. But,
1: but um, you know it's funny. Uh, I don't I'm not really close to the missionaries from Scotland. Uh, I have a little bit of communication with Sister Sieig Miller. I used to commune a lot with with Sharon Jones, but the last time I spoke with her, I cried for 20 minutes after I got off the phone, so I haven't called her in a while. And I used to speak with Sister Mies, even after she got ALS, but she got to the point where she couldn't speak anymore. So then I, I, I know that she's passed away because I can't reach her anymore. But i will tell you this gentlemen i have two guest rooms and i oh. live in a really pretty part of the country so if you are ever passing through saint george and you need a place to stay
0: that's very generous of you sister yes. Reed. oh my gosh Now, yes. saint george is a little bit further away than it used to be for me now that we're well, in, yeah. in, in denver, denver. Yeah. i
1: go to denver Irving now and then uh I had planned to be there for a bit this fall, but that plan has fallen through. But um Anytime. I still travel.
0: Anytime st- you're coming th- through. Yeah.
1: I still travel quite a bit. And uh, and I, you know, I try to keep in touch with the people I knew on the mission. Uh there was one family in Airdrie that I was very close to. They had seven children and they were they were kind of the backbone of the ward, but they've not only gone inactive, they've gone, you know, to the point of calling the church a cult. So
3: hmm.
1: uh, I have no animosity to them, but I don't have a lot of dealings with them. It saddens me greatly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, re- I recall quite a bit while I was in Scotland how hard the adversary worked on Mm -hmm. both the missionaries and those that were in the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like anything else, it's not an easy, easy faith to follow. When when you are surrounded by such influences that Mm -hmm. could truly take you away in the snap of a finger. And, you know, I, I watched many of them continue to progress and be stalwart and, I know how hard that has to be. Um, and I think those that are more stalwart in the church, still there have some family connections that are in the Mm -hmm. church. And, you Mm -hmm. know, there's, there's a little bit of generational uplift from those before them that continue to help them along that path. But for those that are a little bit more on the independent side of things, it, it is definitely a challenge that I don't envy. I mean, it, it would yeah. be very, very difficult to be... And
1: if you uh, think Scotland is difficult, you should try Poland.
0: Oh, I mean, I can't even imagine that.
1: Because in Poland, if you join the church, you face the possibility of not just losing your friends, but your family and your job. Those really? things Yes, because it's an extremely Catholic country. And just depending on how understanding the people around you are... Uh, you have to have a really strong faith to join yeah. the church and to stay in the church. But they're wonderful people. so
0: Yeah. 100%. And you
1: know, what's really interesting about that. I know this isn't about Scotland, but it shows how the Lord can take the most horrible circumstances and use them to his benefit. Uh, Poland has a very small percentage of of a small group of people that are active. And the Ukraine had such a strong base that they have a temple built in the Ukraine. And most of the Ukrainian saints have had to flee to Poland. And Poland was their choice place to go because it's close and they want to go home. But they've taken all that strength and that activity to the Polish saints. And so uh, uh, our former uh, mission president from Poland is Danish, but he's also an area authority, 70 over that area. And he said, it's really strengthening the church in Poland. So even in the worst of things, there's hope.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting.
0: Well, And one, one thing, I mean, his, his episode is coming up, but we talked to Doug Poland, just a few, when was that Sunday? My gosh, days are blending together. Um, And he shared with us a story about helping, you know, Ukrainian refugees that uh, I won't spoil, you know, I mean, obviously people will hear his story before that, but Uh it was, it was an amazing um, moment that he shared where he was, standing at the border in Poland with a van and a sign saying, you know, rides wherever you need to go.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And a a family from Ukraine, the mother was not a member for the church, but she pointed him out and said, is he a part of your church? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they had conversation and approached Doug and he said, yeah, where are you going? And she showed the daughter showed her phone to Doug and it was, the address of a branch, uh, in Kharkov, and he Prakow. was Krakov. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't speak Poland, Polish. Uh-huh. Polish so, mm-hmm. but, That's uh, okay. it was, it was pretty cool to hear that, that, you know, the spirit has unique ways of helping us identify those that are within the same scope of who, who we right. are. And, and mm-hmm. anyway, it was a really cool story. You'll enjoy I know that. those
1: people that, uh, run that operation there in Kraków, you know, uh, the, the man who used to be the district president for that area is a fairly young man who went to BYU. And uh, he works for an American, American car company that's producing cars there in that area. And, uh, and they have set up huge refugee operations to help them there. It's nice. To see them in operation. Anyway, wow.
0: that is really incredible. Well,
1: where where did you serve, Jack?
2: I served. Uh, I must have moved kind of around you, so I served uh, in Dumfries, mm-hmm. Cumbernauld, mm-hmm. Um, Peterhead,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and. Falkirk, and then my last area was Glenrothes.
1: Very nice. I've been to some of those places, but could didn't serve there.
2: So the, the sisters who came out with me, was like Sister Samus, Sister Bogolova. Yeah,
1: I know both of them. Yeah. In fact, I ran into Sister Sammy's, who has a different name now, in, uh, where were we? We were in uh, Silverdale uh, on the Kitsap Peninsula in Washington State. And we were at a conference that uh, Sister uh, Sherry Dew was speaking at. And I looked at her and I thought, I know this woman. And I walked up to her and I said, you Sister Summies? And she said, well, not anymore. And I said, you don't know who I am, do you? And she said, no, you look familiar, but I don't know who you are. But we talked a bit. She's
2: doing oh well. Mm-hmm.
1: Sister Malova diff- married a missionary, didn't she?
2: Yeah. Kevin Vertigan.
1: Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, they're... Didn't they
1: live in Belgium or something?
0: I believe so. Is that right, yeah. Jack? Do you know?
2: Uh. Yep. I, I think that's
0: right. Mm-hmm. I know that, uh, you know, that's where Kevin is from.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I rem- this is just a funny story and I'll share it again when I talk to him. But I remember the first time I met him and I, I probably offended him so badly, but he said he was from Belgium and I said, Oh, Germany. And he was like, no, because, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, clearly I didn't learn <laughs> European geography. Yeah. I learned, yeah north american geography
1: yeah
0: and uh or history
1: so, either or you would never know n- that mistake
0: no absolutely not and so <laughs> i had to take my foot out of my mouth pretty quickly yeah. when i first met him hopefully uh, he still thought highly of me but i offended mm-hmm. him really badly the first time i met mm-hmm. him
1: yeah <sighs> it's too funny it's okay they're used to, to dumb americans who don't know anything yeah. but you know <laughs> when they see the size of the country I know some of my Scottish friends who had been to the States said the thing they couldn't get over was the size of the country.
3: Oh yeah. And I mean, it's,
1: it's like more than Europe altogether. And we just have to be really flexible because our accents are different. We right. have different words from one area to another, but we're used to being that flexible.
2: Yeah, someone explained it to me that here, a hundred miles is a short distance, and a hundred years mm-hmm. is a long time. And there, yeah. it's the opposite, right? It's the
1: opposite. I was at a friend's house in Beats for uh, for supper one night, and when I was leaving, I said, "I love the tiles in your foyer," and he said, "Those tiles are older than your country." <laughs>
0: And, and I'm sure they were handmade and, was, and, and absolutely used Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Anyway, just really interesting to see the different takes on things. And we can, with our openness and our boisterousness and uh, our pushiness, be really offensive to people without meaning to be, you know. Mm -hmm. In Poland, if you say hello to people on the street, uh, the young people not so much, but uh, they haven't lived under communism. But a lot of the people who grew up under Nazism and then communism, just it's your head down, your mouth shut. You don't talk to strangers, you know, and I've had people say when I've said in Polish, hello had them say do i know you okay. you know like excuse me
0: yeah it's pretty amazing the the differences in culture as you can mm-hmm. go f- a f- you know a few hundred miles one direction or another in your in, right. in, Euro- in europe it's very interesting
1: totally different but when you understand their history and what they've been through when uh, when missionaries are called to poland they were asked to read Michener's Poland, which is, you know, a tome. But it's really, really helpful in understanding the psyche Mm -hmm. and the the way Poles think. I would sometimes be sitting in church looking at different people and thinking, oh, that's who you are. You know, because you could recognize the character. But, anyway, we just need to be more open to learning about each other.
3: Agreed. 100%. And the Scots
1: are, uh, I had one Scottish companion, you know, Sister Meese, Sister MacKay Meese was a Scot. And I have a tendency, I don't like confrontation. And so if things become confrontational, I would walk away. And she said to me one day, you stand right here. We're going to settle this because we both work for the same man, you know, and we did. And we got to be very, very close. But it's because she was totally Scott, even though she'd immigrated at 15. And for her, you talked about the elephant in the room. And the toilet was the toilet; it wasn't the restroom. You know, <laughs> that's the way the Scots are, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and and more than one person, when I asked to use the bathroom, they'd be like, "Why? You're going to take a bath?"
1: <laughs> yeah. If you ask for the restroom, they direct <laughs> you to the funeral parlor. So <laughs> you you have to call things what they are. That's just how they are. And I yep. came to really respect that about them. Sometimes it's uncomfortable for us because that's not our culture, but it is theirs.
0: I remember one story. Um, I was serving in Dunfermline at the time, and it was a family that I was incredibly close to, and their daughter had gotten baptized while we were there. And uh, just before I was leaving, like, I don't know what the conversation was, but I apologized because I had some pimples that I'd picked on my face. And I said, mm. yeah, it's a problem. I, I tend to pick my face a lot. And John, the the younger, uh, said, "Oh, you pick your face. Why don't you pick a better one?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like that's that's perfect Scottish yeah. cheek. Yes. That yeah. that you know, and that's just how they are. It yes. was it was truly exactly what I needed to understand. Is like mm-hmm. you know." your word means something different to me and I'm going to use it against you in in some way, whether it's joking or not. And Uh sometimes sometimes that bluntness was very forward and Mm -hmm. we got the picture really quickly. And, but unless we had a good relationship with people.
3: Mm -hmm. I know that
1: I was in Inverness and uh, one of the women who was very missionary oriented and had a good relationship with all of us, uh, had asked my companion and I sister Sigmiller to go to lunch with her she was taking a friend to lunch and she said the only rule i'm going to give you is you cannot bring up the gospel because i want her to meet you and to get you know get to know you as people but you can't teach her the gospel you know you just have to leave that alone mm-hmm. so we're almost to the end of lunch and we've had just this really enjoyable lunch with this woman. And uh, she was in a wheelchair. She was spina bifida. She was very smart and uh, very personable. And all of a sudden she said, so tell me about these lessons that you teach. And I thought, I didn't bring this up. So we talked just a little bit, and then we asked her if she liked to, to to take the lessons. And I wound up teaching her until I was ready to leave. And I remember kneeling at her wheelchair <laughs> the last day I was there because I left from Inverness to a home. And I was kneeling to give her a hug. And she said very quietly in my ear, you've been a mother to me. And I wish I could do this for you, but I'm just not ready. And I said to her, please just take your time. And she wound up being baptized. And And Inverness was not easy because they had, you know, they had a, a font under the floor. They had to take parts of the floor up. But that's how they baptize people and with her they had to lower her wheelchair down into the font and baptize her that way but she was baptized and i was very grateful for that there were a couple of boys that we taught in uh that sister jones had started teaching and they wound up being baptized and uh and I had another woman in Ver- Inverness, and she was a Donnie Osmond baptism for sure. You know, she was such a fan, and uh, and one of the elders that we replaced was Elder Osmond, and uh, and he had taken a Book of Mormon to her, and and I think. Uh, she wanted him to come back and baptize her, but I think he'd already gone home by then. He was there with Elder Partridge. And
0: yes, yeah, so Elder, Os- Elder Osmond was in Jack's group. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, your your birth group.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh
1: uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, he he was a good guy. I I saw him at one reunion after he was married. I saw him. But he and Sister Jones were in the same. She was probably in your birth group because she was at the MTC with Elder Osmond.
2: She must have been then. Mm -hmm. There was a senior sister. I just didn't recall her name.
1: Yeah. Sister Jones. And she didn't, you know, she took no prisoners. She was an Idaho farm girl and she kept up with everybody. And she had been through the regular MTC where the. The MTC president gave no quarter to the senior missionaries. They followed all the rules. They did all the things. And I went through the senior MTC where we had a class in how to use the computer and, you know, told to take naps and that kind of thing. And the first time I pulled out my laptop in front of her, I thought she was going to have a heart attack does President reigns know you have that? And I said, yes. And she says, well, you're not allowed that. And I said, yes, in the MTC, they teach seniors how to do this. But she'd been through the other MTC. And when I first went in to check my email, she said, you can't do that, it's not P-Day. And I said, so Sister Jones, when you get mail through the slot in the door there, you put it aside until Tuesday? Well, no. And I said, this is how I get all my mail.
3: (laughs) So, you
1: know, we came to a meeting of the minds on it, but it was very hard for her because she'd been trained like a regular missionary.
2: I do remember now on the train ride up, Sister Jones, we stopped. The train stopped in Lockerbie. And she was the only one that knew the the history of the Lockerbie yeah, disaster. Lockerbie. She, mm-hmm. she pointed that out to us, mm-hmm. all us young folks, and yeah. uh, and then I ended up serving there as my yeah. first area, headed back that way. So that was very helpful. But
1: yeah, it yeah. would be because they it it's like Hurricane Katrina to them.
2: It's yeah, it made deal. made a huge difference to those people. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. they mark time from. Yeah. They'd,
1: yeah. Anyway. Life is good, and it goes on, and the missions, all of them made me a stronger person. Weaker in body, stronger in spirit. (laughs) Yeah. But I've since received a new ankle and two new knees and six screws in my back, and so I am a new woman.
2: You're ready to go again.
1: Yeah. I would go again if I weren't getting this old, but, you know, next month I'll be a year from 80. You're still young. Mm, Young and hard, anyway.
0: (laughs) That's
2: right. (laughs) Living the dream in St. George.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We found this house that we absolutely fell in love with, and then we found out it was in the senior community. And we were certainly old enough. My sister was two years older than I. We thought neither one of us really wanted to live in the senior community, but we loved the house, so we bought it. And now we love the senior. Well, I love the senior community. She did, but she just passed away in May. But um we had a great four years here together.
2: And That's great. My great-grandmother retired there. and Oh, um, really? She worked in the St. George Temple, I think, for about 17 years in her retirement. But she lived in a before they had all the senior citizen communities that they have now there, she lived about a block from the tabernacle uh-huh. and we would go visit her every summer and visit all the church history sites around St. George. Uh-huh. And yeah, I love that area.
1: Yeah. And it's grown so much. Where do you live, Jack?
2: So I live near Zach. I'm North of Denver.
1: Oh, you're in Denver in the Denver area.
2: Yeah. I, see, I, I have was... a son
1: that lives in, above central city and the son that lives in arvada so i do Ooh. occasionally come to the denver area
2: yeah. yeah yeah not far away from us at all
1: yeah
2: yep i work right next door to arvada so
1: uh-huh
2: but i was i was better. in st george just i actually i interviewed for a job there with the walmart distribution center but drove around a little bit saw the the new temple being built in washington mm-hmm. and, It is just, yeah, it's grown like crazy there.
1: It's exploding, just exploding. Used to be a wide spot in the road. (laughs) Now, now it's just huge. I wonder where all the water is going to come from, but they say there's plenty. So I guess we'll see. I was at a home in Washington out near the temple, and they said that there is so much water under the Washington area that they have to be careful about. Drilling down
0: because one one drill might loosen the whole thing and it'll float away.
1: Well, not so much that as it will.
0: <laughs> That's you right. Know, you, you've got the volca- you got the volcanic stuff up there.
1: Yeah, it is volcanic. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Navajo Lake was formed from lava and has lava vents in the bottom. It's just rainwater, and it. Goes out to feed the rivers. It's really an interesting geophysical mess up there.
0: <laughs> when did you live in Washington state? Yeah,
1: I lived there before I came to Scotland. Oh, really? That's where I was living when I went to Scotland. Okay. I was living in a place called um, Puwalep. Yeah. Which is south of Tacoma or south of Seattle. Mm-hmm. North of Tacoma. And then I also have lived in Kent and Paulsbow, which is Paulsbow is out on the Kitsap Peninsula.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I lived in Central Oregon for a period of my life um, before I moved to Colorado. And so well, that's
1: right. I remember that. I had
0: a couple of instances able to drive up to, to Washington State and you know, see the mountains and Mount Hood and Mount Rainier and all those. So Mm
3: -hmm. I,
0: I, I remember those parts of life as lots of fun. Mm -hmm. So Scotland
2: was your first mission, right? Yeah. Uh How, How did you decide that you wanted to serve a mission?
1: I have wanted to serve a mission my whole life, even before I was LDS. I wanted to be a missionary when I was a teenager. And uh, I'd always had a close relationship with my Heavenly Father and the Savior. Uh, Somewhere in my adulthood, I think, uh, mostly after my divorce, I kind of lost track of that. And I got to the point where I wasn't sure there was a God, and I wasn't sure I cared. And then I ran into, well, I went to work for a a Latter-day Saint woman. She was the office manager uh, in the social work clinic where I went to work at Madigan Hospital, military hospital. And the first day of work, she was leaning against the radiator on a rainy September morning. She looked at me and she said, well, two things you need to know about me. I like it warm. And I'm a Mormon, and you're going to have to get used to both of those things.
0: <laughs> um, and she
1: had me converted within three weeks.
0: Oh, my word.
1: I mean, it wasn't her. She handed me a Book of Mormon, and in those, in those days, the flyleaf had Moroni's challenge on it. And that was enough to convert me. The spirit was so strong, that knocked me over. Mm. And I hated it, because I knew that once I made that decision, there were a lot of life changes that had to be made because, believe it or not, elders, I was a heavy smoker and a Mm. fairly heavy drinker, and I knew all of that was out the window, and I needed to straighten up my act. But you can't deny it when you know it's true. And the only thing that really can tell you it's true is the Spirit. Anything Mm. else you can argue against.
2: Well, that must have helped you, though, relate to the people of Scotland a little more.
1: I think so, yeah. That and and, the fact po- and that probably
0: I, Poland, too. Yeah. yeah.
1: The fact that I was a parent helped, too, because I think explaining Heavenly Father's plan of happiness and how Heavenly Father feels about his children, uh, it, when you're talking parent to parent, you can relate that to their feelings as a parent. You know, that you want all your kids to be happy, even if they don't do things exactly the way you want them to. So that's kind of been a big help to me. Plus, old ladies can get in where young elders can't.
2: Absolutely.
1: Any day, you know. I had some young elders that got really frustrated because... People would say, No, I want them to teach me. <laughs> you know, we had one senior sister. Well, she may have been, she may have been in her late 40s. She had a 17-year-old son who was LDS and she'd been coming to church with him and and the young elders wanted to teach her. And the first Sunday we showed up, she looked across the foyer and she said, I want them to teach me so we were teaching her and that was a really interesting experience because she'd been living with Bobby she'd been married and divorced and then she and she had two children by by that marriage and then she'd been living with Bobby for something like 22 years and they had the 17-year-old son so we're getting to the to the lesson on chastity and we wonder how in the world this is going to go because we've got to tell her you either have to get married or move out. It's just, you know. And halfway through the lesson, we didn't even have to say anything. She said, I've been living in sin for the last 20-some years. I've got to get married. And we said, how's Bobby going to take this? And she said, Bobby's been trying to get me to marry him for 22 years. I'm the one that's been tracking my feet. <laughs>
3: oh, my gosh. That's she hilarious. She tried it
1: once, and she didn't want to try it again. So there we were, Sister Misa and I planning a wedding and a baptism you know one after the other
2: that's fantastic her
1: baptism, a week after her wedding at her baptism she had 62 people there I mean at her request her family his family friends and at Christmas she gave everybody a Book of Mormon and the family proclamation she was so gung ho yeah. It was really neat. And the last I heard of her, she was in the State Relief Society presidency. But you know, it's hard to find out if you haven't been able to keep in touch. And I wrote to all these people, but didn't get responses from them. So
0: that's a great story though. Yeah. Well, hopefully those that are listening in Scotland can track down some of these people and share your experiences because
3: you
0: know, you never know. That's really one of the beauties of this passion project that Jack and I have taken on is the connect, the connectedness that we all continue to find between each other. And you
1: know, it's like I said, uh, none of my kids are active in the church. They're all wonderful human beings and I love them dearly. And when the gentleman in Scotland posted on Facebook his feelings about the church and, uh, you know, very angry about it. And uh, one woman said, that's that's us finished. I, you know, I don't want to hear from you anymore. And I posted back that none of my kids, I mean, all of my kids have left the church. I mean, they're excommunicated, but they've left the church. And... Uh, I still love them completely, and my feelings for other people who leave are not going to change either.
3: Yeah.
1: And I think Heavenly Father feels the same way. He may be saddened, but he doesn't stop loving us.
0: True, It's very, very true. Well, Sister Reed, um, you already shared one experience at the Mission Home. What are your memories of President and Sister of
1: um, <laughs> I remember um, President Greens being very military, very spit-and-polish, um, very sometimes stern, but very loving, very kind. He had a great sense of humor when he allowed it to come through. Uh, we shared a love for Snell Grub's burnt almond fudge ice cream. And I am (laughs) so grateful that Snell Groves is back in operation and they have burnt almond fudge ice cream again. The grandchildren (laughs) have brought it all back. Um, And we have one here in St. George. And for Sister Fiends, one of my favorite pictures of her is coming into Zone Conference with the pig nose and that big flowered hat. And talking to the elders about how they can't cram all of their laundry and their pillows and their blankets into the washer and have it go eh, 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 and have it get your clothes clean. Anyway, I mean she was I had great memories with them because they had uh they had steak meetings in Beath about once a month. And when they were coming into beef, I used to make a big pot of soup because there were no restaurants they could go to. And they would come to our apartment and we would feed them. And one night, uh, well, the first night they were there, Sister Reans and uh, Sister Jones and I went into the big bedroom. We're sitting on the bed talking. Uh, after we did the dishes and we went into the living room and President Greens was sound asleep. He was just exhausted, but he'd found a comfortable chair and just went to sleep. But one night, uh, they came for that conference and they said, uh, we have the zone leaders with us, is that all right? And we said, oh, sure, bring them along. And it was Elder Webb and Elder Osmond. And we fed them soup. And they got finished, and uh, then I told them, okay, elders, it's your turn to do the dishes, and they did. And the next day, I was at the post office, and the women in the post office had a newspaper that showed that Elder Osmond was coming to Irvine to preach the gospel. They didn't realize that he was already there, and I said, "Oh yes, mm-hmm, right, he is." I didn't tell them that he had been in my apartment washing dishes the night before, or they were camping on my doorstep waiting <laughs> to meet him.
2: They want to. They would have wanted the sponge as a souvenir. yes, as
1: a souvenir. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, poor kid had to be sent all the way to. The Falkland, no, not Falkland Islands. What what were the islands? Shetland. Shetland Islands to get him away from the crowds. Anyway.
0: We have talked to him on this podcast and it was so interesting to hear his experience because it was so different than ours. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, you know, Jack and I both reflected too. We were like, I had no clue, you know, the level of status that the Osmonds had until it was in Scotland. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. In in Europe, very much so. Much more than. Uh, well, in Vegas, they've got a pretty good status now because they've you know they've had a residency for several years, mm-hmm. and and were the number one show for many years. But um, I enjoyed serving with him because he was a very nice young man. And a hard worker. So. Agreed. There were very few missionaries that I didn't enjoy serving with.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll just recollect with you. Honestly, my time in Johnston, when I first met you, honestly, you saved, you saved my, <laughs> my mission. And.
1: It was a tough time for you.
0: It, so. it was. I mean you know more than anything it was just spending time with someone who interestingly enough was very much like me mm-hmm. but i didn't understand that until after the fact
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh and so because we butted heads so much i i didn't like being the the second second wheel on the bicycle you know mm-hmm. type of a thing because that just wasn't my personality type but yeah all the opportunities that we had at district meetings and interviews and zone conferences i mean you were always just so loving and caring and gave me big hugs and just said hey it's it's, it's just a little bit of time you'll get through yeah. it you know yeah. and and i did and i'm grateful for that because you know it was just one of those experiences that I, you know, we talked to a, a missionary the other day who said he had a companion that said a mission is a million dollar experience you wouldn't pay two pennies to do again. Yeah. And, you know, that that's something that I reflect on with um, my companion at the time. You know, it was hard. It was tough. and
3: mm-hmm. but,
0: but we got through it. And then I got a four-week vacation in the Orkney Isles. And that was great. mm mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You don't so, have a whole lot of people in the Orkneys either, do you?
0: No, but I had a trunky missionary and elder George Willis that uh, made life enjoyable for mm-hmm. that time that I was there. You know, it yeah. was it was not easy and it was November December time frame in mm-hmm. the Orkney Isles and you know, yeah. it, was, it was a little dark. bit
1: windy, was
0: it? It was wi- it was windy and dark most of the day. You know, mm-hmm. so but yeah. it was a great experience, and I appreciated that from yeah. that time from him because it kind of rejuvenated me.
1: You know, Sister Siegmiller and I begged President Vreens to send us to Lewis, mm-hmm. begged him to send us to Lewis, and he said, "No, sisters, I'm not going to do that to you, but I will send you to Inverness." So we were really happy with that. Really happy with Inverness.
3: Yeah. He
0: had sent
1: Sister Sammy's to the Orkneys once.
0: Were there sisters up there? I didn't recall that. That's interesting. Not
1: very often. But he sent Sister Sammy's and her companion to the Orkneys at one point. And then he sent two young sisters, well, they were all young, to uh, the Shetlands at one point.
0: Yeah, I think that was... When we talked to Sister Cooper, she had, you yep. I, I think she whitewashed and trained at the same yeah, time or something yeah, like that in yeah. Shetland. And, but, yeah.
1: When I left Scotland, I had trained every senior sister that was there.
3: Well, rightfully so.
1: After me and I had trained them all. Trained
3: them all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My I, first I
1: training was twins. Oh, really? Yeah, I trained two senior sisters that came out to serve together.
0: And were they part of the group that went to Edinburgh to do like family history stuff? Because I don't remember. No, no,
1: no. So, they they went to Airdrie, and
0: okay. they stayed
1: in Airdrie the whole time they were there.
0: Well, that's why I didn't know who they were, because I never made yeah. it that end yeah. of the mission. Yeah, you know, I remember. Uh, Shortly after you went home, I became the Aberdeen zone leader. And so uh-huh. I had the opportunity to get up to Inverness a couple of instances. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice to see Sister Siegmiller there. And I don't recall yeah. who her companion was at the time. Uh, but let me, let you know, me
1: think. I mean, I can see her because I was her trainer. And I can't. <sighs> I have her name down somewhere, but I don't remember it right off my head.
0: Yeah, well, and it when was you just... talk
1: about my good memory.
0: <laughs> well, it was just a a great you know blast from the past because she was always so cordial to me, just as well as mm-hmm. you were when we, you mm-hmm. were serving with her in Johnston, and mm-hmm. so it was nice to see her and spend some time with her and mm-hmm. just reminisce on the good old days that weren't too far behind us. But
1: we were coming out of a, a zone conference in uh, Dumfries. Is that where we had zone conferences? We, we'd we go, we'd get on the train in Inverness and pick up everybody on the way, stay overnight in Aberdeen, and then get a bus down to, would it be Dumfries? Dundee. Dundee, that's right. And uh, we were coming out, you know, the chapel's up on the hill, and we were walking down the hill. And one of the elders from our district was walking beside me, and he said, you know, Sister Reed, When we heard we were getting senior sisters up there, we were really, really worried because we'd heard some horror stories. But you guys have really been a lot of fun. We (laughs) fed them all the time. And you know, the district leaders had a key to our apartment and we kept a pot of soup on the stove. And you know, the only meal that they actually ever had to cook was breakfast. Because we fed them all the time. Yeah.
0: Lucky, lucky set of issues. Well, we, everybody,
1: everybody put money in the pot. <laughs> oh, okay. Groceries, and we just fed the district leader and his companion all the time. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. And it was nice. And when we, when we had to go visit people in Fort William or out on the Isle of Skye, the four of us would go together in our van because we would still have plenty of miles, you know. <laughs> But it, it made it, you know, an enjoyable trip with the four of us going, and we felt very safe and not worried about, you know, if we got lost or waylaid or the car broke down, and we just had a great, great time. In fact, mm-hmm. I I have a picture of Elder, what was his last name? His name was either John Michael or Michael John, and his last name escapes me, but he became, I think he became an AP, at least an office elder about the time I was leaving. And he was a tall, skinny blonde. And I have a picture of him laying on the top of one of those red telephone booths out on the Isle of Skye. (laughs) The same one that I have a picture of all three of us senior sisters inside that telephone Oh <laughs>
0: well, That's great.
1: We played around.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the important thing that we all learned on our missions eventually was you had to have some fun. Otherwise, it was mm. just, it was an arduous time of our lives.
1: They told me in Scotland, all the young elders said, it's all about the story, Sister Reed. And that's true. If you have a story to take home at the end of it, that's, that's a big deal. And one one week, our district leader, Elder Hawkins. Do you all know Elder Hawkins?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: He decided that we were going to have our district meeting on the shore of Loch Ness. He had found the perfect place. You had to walk down steps to get to this rocky place he called a beach. And it was right on the lake. And it was March. Oh. <laughs> I had every article of clothing I owned on (laughs) thermals and leggings and everything. And we held, we had a whiteboard and we held our district meeting right there on the, and it was fun. And it was all about the experience and it was a nice spirit. And then I was supposed to give the closing prayer. And if you can picture, we're in this little alcove of the cliff. And all the elders are sitting on rocks along the cliff face. And I have to give the closing prayer and I'm facing them. And my heels are backed up to the edge of the loch. And I have to bow my head and close my eyes. Oh, no. On the edge of Loch Ness. And I have a really strong sense of something in that lake. And it was took everything I had to bow my head and close my eyes and say a prayer. It was not a lengthy prayer.
2: <laughs> so you believe in Nessie.
1: <laughs> I don't not believe in Nessie, let me put it that way. I just, I always had a feeling, and you know, Sister Sigmiller really wanted to take a tour boat on the lake. And we were allowed to do some of those things that you all couldn't. With Sister Volkley and Sister Ford, I had gotten permission from President Greens to take a boat out on Loch Lomond, a tour boat. He mm-hmm. said, as long as it's a big boat, you can go. <laughs> so we did. And, um, and she wanted to take a tour boat on Loch Ness and every time I looked at the, the ads for it, I just got the creepiest feeling. Well, you have to listen to the spirit. It yeah. To do something. Who knows why I wasn't supposed to be on that lake. But I told her, you can go, but you have to go with your next companion because I can't do it.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. And I'm not one that believes in ghosts. I believe in spirits, but I don't believe in ghosts.
0: Well, but, as as we know, everything on Earth has a spirit. So That's
1: right. Absolutely. You
0: know, there's, there's very much... Something in that lock that said, "Didn't come." I'll yeah, come and get you.
1: Exactly. Didn't come. <laughs> we were in. Uh, we were in a zone conference. You know, the triple zone conference done in Karawitsa in southern Poland, and uh, Elder Kopisko was there, and he had talked to me. Well, they'd had a leadership conference that I had to cook for, so. Uh, He said it was going to be a working meeting and they would just come out and get their soup and and rolls and go back into the meeting. And so when President and Sister Ingbiao got their soup and sat down at the kitchen table, I didn't think anything of it. All the kids got their stuff and were going back into the conference room. Elder Kapishka got his and went and sat down at the kitchen table and said, sit down. So I spent a little time with him, and then that night at the conference, he was talking to the elders about, you know, what an asset having senior sisters could be to the mission. And uh, he had turned to me, and he said, what's it like to, you know, to go through two missions? How do you do that? And I said, in my best Scottish accent. I'm a very determined woman. <laughs>
3: that's so good.
1: After that he always called me the little Scottish sister.
0: <laughs> oh, anyway. That's golden. I love yes. that. Oh yes. my gosh.
1: I love Scotland. I yeah. really did. It, you know, I would go back. I have people there I would love to see. But Money and situations and time makes it a little difficult sometimes.
0: Yes, indeed. I don't have those excuses, and uh, and I still haven't gone back since after the mission. You have
1: plenty of money, Zach?
0: I mean, I have. That might solve
1: my lack of money problem, (laughs) Jack. I know. Maybe I could get him to send me to Scotland. If he just doesn't have the time, I'd go for you, Zach.
0: (laughs) I'll keep that on my uh, on my list of people you keep to keep that on your list. People to assist, yes. Actually,
1: money is no problem for me at all since my sister passed. She left me very
0: comfortable.
3: Oh, so. that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Very good. Yeah. Well, time time flies when you're having fun, and we've been yeah. talking now for. About an hour and fifteen minutes, and uh-huh.
1: podcast is supposed to be only an hour, maybe.
0: Ah hmm? uh, no. no. I mean, we've had a few that have run us close to two hours, so don't uh, don't worry about it.
1: That's how I have some of my high school class gets together every two weeks. There's seven of us that do a Google duo call. And sometimes it's an hour. sometimes it's two, two and a half. Just depends on how talkative everybody is.
0: Yeah. Well, we really anyway. appreciate you making the time to come and share memories and you know ultimately this is this is a labor of love and I'm sure that there will be many missionaries who recall times with you and that will be so excited to hear your voice and see your face on the YouTube video and so thank you for making making their dreams come true to reconnect with you cuz you know like you said there's some of those sister missionaries that aren't still with us and, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, uh, whether it's physically or mentally, Mm -hmm. but, um, spiritually, right. Well, I would imagine their spirits are with us. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But we really appreciate you making time for us. So thank you so much. Happy to do it. Yeah.
1: Nice to meet you, Jack.
0: Thank you. It's wonderful to meet you as well. Yeah well have a
1: nice evening
0: yeah we love you Kate thank you so much and we will be in touch soon next okay. time you're in thank
3: Denver you. okay. All right.
1: thank you
0: bye good night good night,
3: good night.